Thanks for tuning into the Tom Nicola podcast, the audio version of my written blog posts. Before we delve into today's article, I want to mention a couple of things I offer outside of my articles themselves. First, the Nicola newsletter. Each Thursday, I send out the Nicola newsletter, which includes two or three of my own articles and a number of other published pieces I've discovered the previous week. My subscribers love the variety of content, which, for the most part, centers on faith, fitness, and fortitude in this increasingly crazy world. Of course, the Nicola newsletter is free. Just go to tomnicola.com slash subscribe. Second, my personal training programs. I've taken my 20 plus years as a personal trainer and nutrition coach and created a variety of workout programs for men and women at different levels of fitness, from beginner body weight and at home program to lumberjacked and resilient, intense strength and conditioning programs for men and women. All programs are conveniently delivered through my easy to use app. Find the right program for you at tomnicola.com. All right. On to the article. Vigorous, Three Foundational Habits of Exceptional Health. Preface. The following is a draft preface of Vigorous, Three Foundational Habits of Exceptional Health, one of two books I plan to publish this year. This book should be available in the spring of 2023 with a second book, Sisu, becoming available in the summer. Four glasses of water, three glasses of diet soda, two slices of turkey, and one slice of dry wheat toast filled my cafeteria tray. This was breakfast. I carried a brown bag to school for lunch. It included a sandwich, some vegetables, fruit, and a cookie. I ate the meat from the sandwich and the vegetables. Dinner was back in the cafeteria, where I ate a bit of lean protein, salad, and a slice of bread, and drank lots of diet soda and water. The water and diet soda helped curb my hunger pangs. I tried to keep my calories as close to 600 per day as possible, although once per week I allowed myself a cheat meal, usually on a Friday evening. I'd walk across the street from my dorm to a convenience store. After walking up and down the aisle, salivating at the thought of eating a Snickers bar, a pint of ice cream, or a frozen pizza, I inevitably settled on a loaf of bread and a bottle of salsa. After returning to my dorm, I ate two salsa sandwiches. Then I gave the rest of the loaf to someone else or tossed it in the trash. I was 16 years old and lived on the Northern Michigan University campus with a small group of ski jumpers at the Olympic Training Center and took my junior year classes at Marquette High School. Living on the NMU campus, we ate meals in the same cafeteria as other college students living on campus. When the school year began, I weighed 157 pounds. At 5 feet 9 inches, I wasn't fat, not like I had been when I was a preteen, but I was still too heavy to be a competitive ski jumper. My coach had pulled me aside early in the school year to reinforce this reality. He said something like, Tom, if you're going to be serious about the sport, you need to lose weight. You're just too heavy for your height. He was right. At 5 feet 9 inches, 157 pounds was too heavy. At the same height, a heavier ski jumper doesn't fly as far as one with the same body type who weighs less. Back then, 
I often heard that anorexia was more common in ski jumping than in any other Olympic sport, including gymnastics. It got so bad that the International Ski Federation eventually made rules about the minimum weight a ski jumper had to weigh at any given height. If they weighed less, they'd be penalized by having to use shorter skis. Since skis act as wings in flight, this would be a significant handicap for a ski jumper. So my coach, responsible for my success in the sport, was right to remind me I needed to lose weight, though he had no role in how I did that. I knew a little bit about calories, so I decided to eat as close to 600 calories per day as possible. By the time the ski jumping season began that winter, I'd dropped to 137 pounds. I had to cinch my 28-inch waist jeans with a belt to keep them from falling off. Somehow, while eating only 600 calories, in training two or three hours a day, which often involved miles of running, plyometrics, sprints, and gymnastics if we weren't ski jumping, I maintained a GPA of around 3.8. Thinking back on it today, I understand why my mom was mortified the first time she saw my emaciated face at one of the ski jumping tournaments. As for my ski jumping performance that season, it was inconsistent. In some tournaments I did well, in others I was beyond disappointed. By the season's end, I realized my ambition to be a world-class ski jumper was over. I knew I'd return home to Ely, Minnesota for my senior year. And though I knew I'd ski jump the following year for one final season, I knew after that I'd hang up my gear and go on to college. With my mind made up and two months left in the school year, I decided to try something new for my workouts. NMU had a very nice gym, and up to that point, I'd never used the weight room out of fear of gaining weight. Since I wasn't worried about that anymore, I took a workout program from a muscle and fitness magazine and went to the gym. The first day I walked into the weight room, I probably looked like a meth addict, but within two weeks, I saw lines on my shoulders that had never been there before. Some bumps appeared on my stomach, which had just been a thin and squishy midsection. And my legs! I couldn't believe how well I could jump after doing back squats and leg presses for a month. Each week the scale went up, but in the mirror I looked leaner and leaner. I ate more of everything. A lot more protein, but more carbs and junk too. And yet, I looked felt, and moved better than ever. I was hooked on this new-to-me approach to fitness and knew it would guide me in the years to come, including my career choice one day. Thirty years later, you're reading this book, or listening to it. In those thirty years, I got a pre-med biology degree from the College of St. Scholastica in Duluth, Minnesota, added more than a dozen nutrition and exercise certifications, though I only maintain the best one, my CSCS, and worked for one of the largest and most successful fitness companies for 14 years, where I started out as a personal trainer and left as a vice president in charge of the company's supplement, nutrition, weight loss, lab testing, metabolic testing, and fitness device businesses. I also had a short stint as vice president of business development for one of America's most respected supplement companies. I've written several hundred fitness articles and, since leaving the corporate world, started my own virtual personal training business. To date, my clients number in the hundreds, if not thousands.
So why do I mention all of this? Because it began with a misguided approach to losing weight in a sport I no longer participate in, which then led me to a weight room at Northern Michigan University, where I first experienced the impact resistance training has on your body, and that eye-opening experience sparked a passion for fitness that continues to this day. Had I not gone from a middle school fat kid to an anorexic teenager, I might never have stepped in a weight room to see what strength training can do. I've taken all that I've learned in those 30 years, considered what works and what doesn't, and distilled it down to three habits that impact your health more than any others. I call them the vigorous three. And they form the foundation of a health-enhancing, fitness-creating, longevity-supporting lifestyle. Those three habits play more of a role in establishing a strong and healthy body and mind than any others. And it's my belief that if you make them non-negotiable parts of your life, remaining fit and healthy will be easier than you'd ever imagine. I hope someday in the distant future, you'll look back at what you learned from this book and realize it had a significant positive impact on your well-being from the day you first finished reading it. Oh, and in case you were wondering, none of the vigorous three involve eating salsa sandwiches. The book should be completed in the spring of 2023. If you're a Nicola Newsletter subscriber, you'll be the first to find out when it's available. Thanks again for listening. If you like this content, please leave a rating on the podcast platform you're using and be sure to subscribe and then pass it along to others who'd find it helpful. And if you're not already subscribed, be sure to subscribe to the Nicola Newsletter where I share a lot of other content you won't find on my site or podcast. Just go to tomnicola.com slash subscribe. Keep growing your faith, improving your fitness, and building fortitude.